This show is brought to you by Loud and Opinionated. All right, welcome back to an an episode, another episode. I don't know. I'm not used to doing this. I don't usually do the intros for the show, but uh, this is another edition of the Loud Sports Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jake Williams, joined by Brandon Plecker. Hey, guys. And uh, if you couldn't tell already, Paul is out this week. He uh, came down with, I'm going to say coronavirus. I know that's not really what he has, but uh, he has not been feeling well. So he will not be here this episode. So it'll just be Brandon and I. I think we can. I think we can do it. Probably be a lot, lot shorter. But Paul, <laughs> Paul likes to talk a little bit. Well, yeah, he's he's more knowledgeable about NBA stuff than I am. I mean, you have a good knowledge, Brandon, but uh, still going to be football focused. Um, you know, when we get, we, I'll, I'll do my best. But uh, I'm gonna be honest. I'm not really concerned with the NBA. I'm I'm all about the XFL. You guys know that. So we'll definitely have that and more to come. So let's get it right out of the way. Let's talk about Super Bowl 54 and get our thoughts on it. First off, what do you think, Brandon? Well, it kind of it was it, it ended the way I expected it to end, but it didn't get there the way I expected it to get there. It was a quick start by the Chiefs, which I kind of expected, but then they just went in that lull for about two quarters where they didn't do anything really on offense. Luckily, their defense was able to keep them keep San Francisco from blowing a or blowing out a huge to a huge lead to give them the chance back at the end. I mean, give that give that offense though credit for putting up points when they did to seal it at the end. But I think that is just a testament to the difference in defensive scheme than last year. If this would have been last year's Super Bowl, the Chiefs would have gotten blown out. Because they had they had the same almost identical offense, they just didn't have the defense to back them up, and I think that yeah was the big yeah, turnaround definitely. in this this year. Because San Francisco's well. offense is not as high powered as the Kansas City, obviously, but they're not, but they're pretty good. Right. I mean, I, before the fourth quarter, they were averaging almost eight yards a play. Yeah. Considering the fact, you know, great running game for San Francisco and a not very good run defense in Kansas City, no matter what you. Uh, no matter how you look at it, I mean, they were still, I think, 29th in the league this season in run defense, even though they've been playing a lot better as of late. Right. Still were, still were the bottom third of the league. Yeah, and I... It, there's so many different parts of that game where I thought it would, it would go one direction. I think uh, it is a big testament to the Niners' defense until the fourth quarter. But uh, after they entered, I mean... You have the Niners go down their opening drive. First, they get a three and out right away. Then they drive down, get a field goal. Kansas City comes back and scores a touchdown, and then they get an interception right after that. And I'm thinking, oh wow, if this turns yeah. into 14 and three. I don't know, but you know, good good for the Niners defense. They stepped up, got a field goal. Yeah, Nick Bosa played very well, and it was keeping keeping Pat Mahomes at bay for two and a half, three quarters of that game. So he was running for his life that yeah. whole game. Yeah. And it was, he makes it. And I was, you know, I was saying with uh, my brother-in-law, I was watching the game with him and I was like, it's just unbelievable how these receivers are so smart and know how 
much he likes to move out of the pocket that they find ways to get open and they make it look easy. That whole offense makes everything they do look easy when they're throwing the football, and it's it's crazy. So I don't understand Kyle Shanahan's decisions at the end of the half because, as I said, Kansas City goes up 10-3, but you know San Francisco drives back down, ties it up. They had a chance to go in with the lead. Yeah, I think especially because San Francisco was getting the ball to start the second half, right. I believe. I mean, I, I think you need to score as many points as you can. There's no don't. It's the Super Bowl. It's, it's Kansas City Chiefs. You know, <laughs> you watched them score. You know, they're averaging 40 points a game in yeah. the playoffs. Like, you know they're going to put up points. They scored four touchdowns in nine minutes. Exactly. Like, you can't, you can't take Texas. your foot off the gas for a second. Mm-hmm. And they did that. And it ended up costing them in the end. You didn't know it at the time, but it ended up right. costing them in the end. And I understand, like, I understand the conservative. I personally, I hate conservative play calling. I think it's. There's a time and place for conservative play calling. I mean, yeah, if you're up 20 points, you just run the clock, whatever. But it, like like you just said, this is a very good Kansas City team that can score quickly. And we'll get to it when we talk about the fourth quarter. But, I mean, just that alone, how fast they scored in the fourth quarter. And I agree with you. It, I'm all about being aggressive in any game but even more so in the Super Bowl. I want to score as many points as possible. Yeah. If, if I can even get just a field goal. Exactly. If you think your defense is playing that great that you're okay going 10-10, why not 13-10? Like, you had a minute, three timeouts. What are you, what are you waiting for? Uh, and that's the thing, too. I mean, it would have been 27-20. to It's a 17-point game. It's a totally different fourth quarter after that second interception. It's a totally different game. Exactly. You're still in the lead after the after they score two touchdowns with three minutes left. You're still in the lead instead of going and having Jimmy G try and lead you back, which <laughs> Man, we saw what happened with that. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad Paul's not here this week because he would have made me eat so much crow because all season I've been trying to convince people that Jimmy G is a good quarterback. It's not just their defense. And then he comes out in the Super Bowl and proves me completely wrong and says it was – I mean, they did – it's what you said and you've been saying all season. He did enough to get them that lead. He did enough to put them in that position. But when push came to shove and they were trailing and it was late in the fourth quarter, they're down four points. I mean, that is the perfect scenario if you're a quarterback. It's a – you uh, – the star player on the other team just brought his team all the way back puts them up four points, you've got the football in a little over two minutes, you need a touchdown, go win the Super Bowl. And it, it isn't all on him. The offensive line did not play well at all in, in the, the last few drives that San Francisco had. But in that situation, Jimmy G just couldn't execute. Yeah, I mean, you saw, I mean, he missed had Sanders wide, wide open. open. That's a touchdown. That should have been a touchdown. He, I mean, he made some bad throws all over the place and then finally threw the interception which late, That was kind of which a it was, weird interception. Yeah, but... but I mean, when you ask Jimmy G to drop back and throw ten times in a row, that's not that's not Jimmy G's game. Right. That's not that's not how they got here. That's not. And yeah, it's it, it that and that's the kind of the annoying thing about two minute drills like that is, I mean, Kansas City knows exactly what you're gonna do. They're gonna draw. They're gonna. I think they were getting pressure with three. Was it four guys? Three or four guys? I can't remember if it was three, because I I think they rushed three, dropped eight, and they were still getting pressure and. I think that also again goes back to the 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 change in col- uh, culture defensively for Kansas City. I think really won them the Super Bowl, and you got to give Andy Reid credit because Andy Reid looked at the AFC Championship, saw this is why we lost, w- fired his DC and got a new one, 
and said, let's change this and win us a Super Bowl. And he, and he did. And it worked, yep. And uh, so, yeah, we, we talk about how the game ended and how we thought it would kind of end this way. Uh, I definitely did. <laughs> I, I thought the game, to be fair, after Mahomes' second interception, early in the fourth, I was like, this might be it. I, I was like, because Kansas City had not looked good. They had a few you know, good drives they put together in the first half, but they just had not looked good at all coming into that fourth quarter. And then that second interception, which was kind of a wonky interception. Yeah, Pat Mahomes made some throws that you, you haven't seen. I've never seen Pat Mahomes make some of the throws he was making in that, in that game early. Like, he, looked, he almost looked confused at times, which I've never seen Pat Mahomes do that look like that. So it, it was definitely it was definitely worrisome in the third in the beginning right. of the fourth quarter because you didn't they didn't look like they were on in sync or you didn't I don't know what the problem was for sure but I I think it's a little bit of he hadn't faced the defense like the Niners defense and I think that you know really I think that's what has him flustered or had him flustered and you know there was jokes on Twitter they said uh, Patrick Holmes remembering he went to Texas Tech and there's stuff like that but. I did say this out loud. I saw it on Twitter. I think Nick Wright tweeted it, and then I said it out loud at the Super Bowl watch party we were at. I was like, "They're down ten. They're down ten points. It's exactly where they want them." They've yeah. been doing it all postseason. Yeah, I was watch- I was I was watching the game with Paul, and and I told him it was it was twenty four to seventeen, and I told or no, it was twenty four to ten at the time, right? Or twenty to ten. Twenty to ten. I said, yeah, twenty seven, twenty seven. That'll be. That'll be the overtime score. I, th- I said, we're going overtime. It'll be 27-27. Like, I, I had a lot of faith in the Chiefs to score a lot of points, but I thought the 49ers would be able to put up another point, another uh, field goal to tie it up again. But Yeah. I, I, I didn't have I – mean, after that second interception, I was like, oh, no. But the defense stepping up and not allowing anything else after that second interception and get, still having a lot of time on the clock – when they, I think when they got the ball back and it was still twenty to ten, there was like, I don't know, probably s- seven minutes, maybe. Something. Yeah, six, just under seven, I believe, something is when like they started. That. When they and finally it, scored that second touchdown, or yeah, to make yeah, it yeah. seventeen. And they had the ball. Well, they had the ball in three timeouts going into that, and it's still twenty to ten. And I'm like, that's ten points, three timeouts. Like I would say, probably about a little over seven, six, seven minutes. That's an eternity. Especially for this offense, yeah. And w- you, when Tyree Kill missed that one catch, where they reviewed it and said it was incomplete, so it made it like second and th- or like third and fifteen or something. And now I'm really getting nervous. Yeah, that, yeah, that was definitely because you you thought they had him and you saw him starting to get get going a little bit, and then yeah, all momentum stops on yeah. that replay. And and then the, it's that armchair quarterback thing where I'm like, well, if it's third and fifteen, they could probably try and get like six or seven here then trying to make a think of a play before that like I'm, I'm trying to do all these things and then the next play just hit him hit him again hit him, and as soon as he hit him on that 40 yard pass he gets hit goes out of bounds i'm like they oh, never looked back. back yeah they never looked back again because I was, I was in my head i was thinking kansas city just needs one play one big play this offense is going to come back yeah that was what san francisco had done so well was limit the big plays i mean kansas city only had one before that, before that play in the whole game, I think the long, and it yeah, was early. It was Sammy Watkins. Yeah. It was like a twenty-five yard, twenty something like yeah. yeah. That was the only play over twenty in the game until the last five minutes of the game. And that was yeah. That was after that interception that put him up 10-3. So that huge play set it up, and then I was just like, after that, I was like, now we got a game because I knew they were going to score. Even if they got a field goal, I'm like, we still got a game here. 
And then after that touchdown to because Kelsey put him up, right? Or was it Damian? I think it was Damian Williams. Williams scored the last which two. Which who in honestly should have been Super Bowl MVP. I mean, you can't. I I won't say you could argue with it. I think I didn't think anyone was that great for. I could most s- of that game. I could see the argument from Mahomes just because it's a it's a quarterback league. Yeah, I mean Mahomes had the rushing touchdown and two passing that, touchdowns. Yeah. So and he he can't led that, argue with it. He led the comeback. Yeah. sure. But Damian Williams, I mean, he I think he stepped up big because he had a couple big runs and then of course that huge run at the end. But uh, did you think he was out of bounds, or do you think no. he broke the plane? Oh, the first one? no, I thought it was a touchdown. I didn't see. I didn't see. Uh, because I think his angle foot that it wasn't is, in. Yeah, his foot was right on the chalk. It was but, bang bang, but but if you look at it, it looks like the ball was crossing yeah. the plane. And in my mind, I'm like, they're not going to ch- overturn that. Yeah, that it's too close. There was nothing. There was nothing that I saw that made it not look like a touchdown. So I I I knew they would. I figured they would go with the refs, and they ended up and they did. I think it was the right call. I think it was the right call as well. Do you think uh, George Kittle? Got off offensive pass interference. Mm. I think it could have gone either way. Yeah, that one was that one was a tough call. But. I personally thought it was the right call, but I could see the argument against it. I think it really could go either way. And you know, if people want to complain that, like, well, if Kevin Rudolph's wasn't, how how is this, and you know, all that stuff, and I'm like, they're human beings. It's it's a judgment call, and I think they got the right call. And Kevin Rudolph. I don't know. I don't know if I would have called that. And that's the thing. Like, to a certain extent with that penalty, it's a little bit to the ref's discretion. I think they let him play a lot. Yeah, I agree. I don't know about that hit on Jimmy G. Because I still think he was in bounds when he got hit. At the, it was, the Chiefs were still down. It was 20-17. to 17. Jimmy G runs. He wasn't going to get the first down. But he was running towards the out of bounds, and then that Chiefs guy just lights him up. And he rolls out of bounds, and then Niners wanted a flag. I don't know the rule on that because to me, it kind of looked like he was giving himself up towards the sideline. But then there's also the thing to me where it's like, well, he's still on the field to play. Yeah, I mean, if you're on the f- if you're if you're running, you turn into a running back until you start to slide. So. Right. And if you're just jogging to the sideline and you get hit. Yeah, if you're not running fast enough, then <laughs> those guys are still coming for you. You got yeah. I don't know. The, the, I think. I don't think I'm just glad that officiating didn't really affect this game. You could argue that that pass interference was a big deal because that could have set up a field goal for San Francisco. I, I'm sure you could do that, but it's also San Francisco's fault because they didn't decide to throw a big pass until like 25 seconds left in the half. So yeah. it's also them too not Agreed. being aggressive. You can't be yeah. like, ah. Uh, they like change their mind halfway through. Right. I guess now we'll try. You can't do yeah. that. You gotta you gotta commit to that. So. The big comeback, and then Damian Williams just icing on the cake. When he broke it free, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, I'm just watching because I kind of wanted to Just see- praying for the over at that point. Yeah, well, I still wanted to see more. I was like, I, I was thinking what you would think. I'm like, I want overtime. Give me more football. But, uh, yeah, it was, a bit, it was a huge thing in Kansas City. I mean, 24 to nothing. Uh, ten, again. 10 to nothing, 17 to 7, 20 to 10. All of their postseason games, they trailed by double digits and won by double digits. That is just insane. Insane. Uh, they just had their parade today. as we're, we're recording on Wednesday, so they just had their parade, which I love these parades because it, these guys are just nuts. 
Uh, did you catch Travis Kelsey's uh, speech? No, I didn't listen to the speech, but I did see his Lombardi luge. <laughs> Chug, yeah, chugging chugging beer off the Lombardi Trophy, and then uh, Mahomes poured it off the bus into his mouth, and somebody tweeted Mahomes to Kelsey one more time, uh, but he like grabbed the mic and screamed like, "Can you dig it?" And he's like, "You gotta fight for your right to party!" And then they're like they're smashing beers. He's wearing the WWE Championship belt. I was like, you know, good good for them. I I just I'm scared though. Because I'm scared they're going to be a, the next Patriots. I think they're they, if I, mean, I don't know if it's going to be necessarily true because all that talent you got to start giving them money. So I, you know, I don't think they're all going to stay. But if they stay together, I think this this is the beginning of a Chiefs dynasty. No, definitely. I think I think Pat Mahomes can. I think he can lead a lot of guys. He doesn't need to have. All four, three right. guys. He's the new face. I mean, I think league. Pat Mahomes can do a lot of a lot of things that a lot of guys can't do. So as long as, as long as they have a defense that's respectable, they'll be there every year for well, the next next ten probably. Yeah, and and that's what makes Tom Brady so great. The fact that he won those six Super Bowls. I mean, it's tough. Don't get me wrong. It's tough because Mahomes reminds me a lot of Aaron Rodgers when Aaron Rodgers won his first one, and Rodgers hasn't been back yet. So you never know, but. It's a lot of the same same situation. As long as the defense is average, at least average, mm-hmm. you have a chance. Uh, I, but that's the thing. I think I I think you might be onto something with Mahomes. I think he's good enough that he can win with not he can win without Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey uh, or Sammy Watkins. I think he he's shown that he could do that. And the reason I'm worried is I don't want to hate them like I hate the Patriots. I don't want to. I, I I have friends that are Chiefs. I have family and friends that are Chiefs fans, and I just I really don't want to have to not you know go to family gatherings because as Chiefs. long as they got as long as they got Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid, they got as good a chance as anybody. I'm very happy for him. It, 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 when you're a meme like he is for all these years, not winning the big one, it's good that, for him to finally yeah. get one. Yeah, I definitely. I, and that's the funny thing is he's just that good. That was his 222nd win, 22nd win. And most of those have been in the what I think about. When I think of Andy Reid, my brain goes to my childhood of him being the the Eagles coach in the early aughts with McNabb and Terrell Owens and all that. Deuce or not Deuce Staley. Uh What was his name? Westbrook. Something Westbrook. Anyway, so it's crazy to see him now with the Chiefs building on something like that and finally winning one. Um, we'll skip. I, you know, I'm looking at the rundown. We're going we're gonna to talk about Shanahan. I might save that for <laughs> might save that for later. Um, I was saying that during the whole game. I was thinking, gosh, Shanahan's got to be having Vietnam flashbacks. It's yeah. Super Bowl Nightmares. 51. Unbelievable that uh, he has two of the three worst Super Bowl collapses. And now I understand he wasn't the coach in 51, but he was the play caller. He was the offensive mind. And in my head, I was looking at his, some of his play calls. Like, I don't think they ran uh, most at enough in the second half. There's times where I see Jimmy G throwing it when they were up 20 to 10. And I was like, I understand on certain occasions, like maybe like third and like seven, you throw and try to get the first down, keep the clock running, you know, but they were throwing it too much. And I'm just like, this is, this is Super Bowl 51. They got, yeah, they they they, they 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 got out of their they got out of their normal their game plan from the games before. 
And they were for no the reason. Well. For no reason. Yeah, it's not like they were struggling on offense. Yeah, uh, Mostat was ripping off five, six yard carries on average, and it was just crazy. Uh, so we kind of talked about this. I think it is debatable. I think I could see what adding the rushing touchdown to that, and the times that Mahomes carried the football. I could see how he got the nod for Super Bowl MVP over Damian Williams. I I don't know. Personally, from what I saw, I think Damian played well, but it's really hard for running backs to get Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, I mean, again, one of one of Damian Williams his first touchdown, which was the game winner, was on a was on a catch. So it also went to Pat Mahomes and this final one that sealed it was they were already up by 11, so it's hard to give a guy you can't say that he necessarily won the game. I think that the rushing touchdown on top of the Two, two, uh, two other passing touchdowns. I'd give it to Mahomes. I'd give the nod to Mahomes. I mean, Damian Williams was a close second, but I mean, if we're talking about um, Kyle Shanahan and we're talking about Super Bowl Fifty One compared to this, James White absolutely deserved Super Bowl yeah. MVP when he. Won, I didn't even he had a couple. I didn't even realize James White didn't win that MVP. I thought I I thought it was James White for. Oh, it was Brady. Yes, I don't think that was his fourth. Brady has four, I believe. So yeah, he has the most. Ugh, that was so frustrating. See what I mean? I don't want to think. Uh, when I think of Patrick Mahomes, I don't want to think of that. I don't want to think of well, you know, he's the goat. But he, if they keep this up, I mean, this is only his third year in the league, second year starting. Oof, that's he's got an MVP and a Super Bowl MVP. That's scary if you're a if you're a fan of any team in the AFC West. It's awful because. Again, you want to talk about a team running a division that you know the Patriots have been running the AFC East. I think the Chiefs have been doing that for a while now too. Yeah, no, they've won since Pey- ever since Peyton Manning left. I guess. Yeah, yeah, they've they've won every year since then, it's from 2016 until now, and they're probably going to win it again next year. Yeah, because I still think I think the Raiders are on the right track. Broncos, I don't think are. I th- we'll we'll get into that more when we talk about free agency and things like that, but. I, I don't really see anybody really challenging them for a few years. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with the Chargers now? Because yeah, the Chargers are an interesting team. I mean, they went 12-4 and four two years ago. Right, but then looked horrible and, this yeah, year. Yeah, and then this year, complete opposite. So yeah, I don't know. But uh, who do you think – If you do you think anybody's going to lead – like, as we talked about, two, uh, I want to say two weeks ago when we were – we first started talking about the Super Bowl. We were talking about... Oh, no, it was last week when we were talking about championship teams when they get picked apart because everybody's like, well, they know how to win. They know how to win championships. Is there anybody, when you look at the Chiefs roster, that you think is going to have a new home next year? Because I don't know if I see it a lot. Offensively, I don't know if I see it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there was talk with... Sammy Watkins had talked about maybe possibly if they, if they did win. sounded like possibly retiring. He got a, if he if he got a Super Bowl, but so we'll see about we'll see about that, which would be a, obviously a blow to the offense. I think Chris Jones. I'm not sure if Chris Jones is a free agent this this coming season, but if he is, he's definitely a guy who is gonna gonna make some money. I mean, he's the be, probably besides maybe Tyron Matthew, the best defensive player on that team, mm-hmm. and played and had a, had a great game in the Super Bowl. So yep. he's definitely gonna get gonna get paid yeah. at some point here yeah. pretty soon. I don't see, and that's the thing. I really don't see anybody offensively leaving. I don't see any of them going. Anywhere. Yeah, until they until they're worth a lot of money. Right. 
which Tyreek Hill's already been paid. So, and now you, you just got to worry about Kelsey. Mahomes is still on his rookie contract until I don't even this year. I believe is yeah, his, or after this. He has I think one more this season. is a rookie thing. Five years. Yeah, but you can just free do it after right, four. Right, so yeah. four is your. Yeah, if it's not this off season, it'll be next off season. Yeah, he's gonna get paid. He'll get a lot of money. And but and that's the thing we were talking about. That'll be the test of Andy Reid and Mahomes because once he gets paid, Kelsey or Hill or Watkins, one of them, one of them is gonna leave. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much all for the Super Bowl recap. Um, Paul made sure to put this in the notes. He really wants you guys to know about this. Next week we are doing a report card for all thirty-two NFL teams. I'm assuming it's going to be from A to F, um, and I can already tell you right now. I think it'd be safe to say all three of us would give the uh, Cleveland Browns an F. <laughs> right now, off the top of your head, what would you give the Packers? Packers, I was. It was an A. It was they exceeded an A. They exceeded my expectations. So, oh man, the fact that they were 13 and three and went to the NFC Championship game was a surprise to if me. If they didn't play San Francisco twice. Different team. Yeah, could I mean, be in the Super Bowl. it was a surprise to me that they got as far as they did. So, yeah, I would. I think that they played pretty, pretty damn well. If I were to give Tampa Bay one right now, I'd probably say uh, D plus, maybe D plus. I, I, I thought they played pretty well for most uh, maybe, of the year. Maybe C minus. I'm kind of in that area. I don't want to give them a too high. Of a they grade. started out bad. Right. They figured it out. They wrapped. Yeah. They 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 finished stronger than I expected. Seven and nine. Compared to what they looked like, I think at one point two and five. Some, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, I can handle that. All right, so let's move on to one of my favorite segments, fraud of the week. And you're right, by the way, this is moving a lot faster. <laughs> we're only about a half hour in, uh, and we're gonna be talking to fraud of the week. Brandon, who do you have for fraud of the week? Uh, my fraud of the week is coming from the NBA again. My fraud of the week is the Houston Rockets as a championship contender. Oh. After their tr- after their trade Tuesday night of Clint Capella, mm. they they have been playing. Clint Capella has been injured for about three or four games, and they've been playing all guys under six foot six. <laughs> it's the only time. It's the first time in NBA history, I believe, if not in the last fifty years, that a team has done that. They they have been very successful. I think they're three or four and zero, oh, but yeah. Guys under they're gonna they're not gonna be able to play in the playoffs with nobody over six foot six. I don't see them having being able to compete with especially the Lakers and the Clippers. Didn't you fraud them last week? I frauded Portland last oh, week. Oh yeah, no. But I actually did it was an opposite fraud because I said Portland would turn it around and yeah. become become a good oh. team last oh, year. I could have swore this is the, the second season. time you referenced the Rockets. It, it, it might have been you hate to see it. I'd have to go back and listen, but I feel like you've been you've been harsh on the Rockets. Well, they are they'll be testing a new system where they're going to be shooting maybe 63s a night. <laughs> they yeah. might they might start shooting a lot more threes. So, we'll we will see how it I it'll I, be interesting to see the Rockets, but I don't see them having much of a chance when it comes to playoffs. That's the worst part about that is when when your offense relies on three-pointers. It's such a live by the sword, die by the sword mentality. Because if you can hit them, man, you're just you're crushing. But when you miss them, yeah, you have a now, low percentage. Now, now they're just they're gonna have a tough time rebounding. They're gonna have a tough time defending the rim. Yeah. When you go up against the Lakers, the Lakers are huge <laughs> you don't and have, have LeBron James. So you said you said nobody under like six six, right? Six six. Jeez. Everybody's under six foot six. How are they gonna get points in the paint? <laughs> exactly. They got Russ Westbrook and James Harden, but. So it'll we'll see how it how yeah. how it goes. They they've got 
a lot of guys who can shoot threes, so they'll make a lot of threes. And like I said, I think they've won four in a row with this lineup already as Clint Capella's right. been hurt, but I don't see I don't know how well it will last for the rest of the season going against the tough Western Conference. Yeah. That's a that is a bold I it's a bold strategy. <laughs> bold strategy. Well, I gotta give them credit. At least they know they they know who they are. Where they're like, "Look, we're good at this one thing. Let's just get guys to make it." But yeah, they're frauds. Fraud. And my fraud of the week, I'm sticking football because you know that's what I know the best. And fraud of the week, I don't want to do this because last week we did we talked about this guy. We said he has probably the most on the line. He he comes back after tearing his Achilles. Goes and joins a rival team in the same division as his old team. Has an opportunity to do something that not a lot of players could say. Hey, I won two Super Bowl rings with two different teams in the same division, but he couldn't. And that was Richard Sherman. Now, you're saying, Jake, why is Richard Sherman fraud of the week? He had an okay game. Did you see how he got turned into burnt toast against Sammy Watkins in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, I told Paul before the game, I said, Devontae Adams beat Richard Sherman deep, so I know the Kansas City guys can beat Richard Sherman deep because Devontae Adams is no, no speedster by any means. Yeah. It, and, I mean, Sammy Watkins did about the same move. He made one move at the yep. line, and he was gone. And, and then after the game, Sammy Watkins credited Devontae Adams, saying he watched him do it, so he knew he could do it too. <laughs> he just had the one stutter step yep. inside, and then, boop, he was gone. And that's why he's a fraud because, Richard Sherman, you've been telling me you're the best in the game, and the best in the game cannot get beat by one stutter step. It just can't happen. And I think you kind of lost your Twitter beef with Darrell Rivas because you lost the Super Bowl. If you had won, I would have said you win the Twitter beef. But you didn't, and you proved you're a fraud. And it sucks because I actually kind of like Richard Sherman. I like that he's outspoken. He makes it fun, but... Uh, I gotta call. I gotta be fair, you know. I gotta call fraud when I see it. Now we're moving on to the next segment. We're talking about you hate to see it. A fairly new segment, and uh, I'll start this time. Mark uh, Mark D'Antonio, the Michigan State football coach, has stepped down uh, his coaching duties. He's still a part of the program, but uh, it's specifically with the athletic program. But it's supposed to be something with. Uh, Special, I think they said special events or something weird like that. I don't know exactly what that means. Does that mean they still want to pay him? I don't know. But uh, the only reason I bring this up is because I know that I host a separate podcast that's conspiracy theories, but this is kind of a sports conspiracy theory. Uh, He did get more money in January for this job. And now he's leaving. So I'm wondering if there's something to, because I, I remember correctly, there's still an FBI investigation into those basketball teams, if I remember correctly. Could be wrong. But my, I'm guessing there's somebody that has some sort of bombshell that they are ready to drop, and he just left before something happens, because you see this all the time with college coaches. And uh, that's why, and, I, and my, I'm going off this. It's preemptive. But if, if this is the case, if there is a bombshell, then I have no problem saying, Mark D'Antonio leaving Michigan State. Man, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. He's been successful. I like him. He's had some bad years too, though. <laughs> yeah. So Some bad ones. But And I like him. I just say you hate to see it because I think there's more to this story than we know. And I, uh, I'm, it's preemptive, but uh, Mark D'Antonio, you hate to see it. Brandon, who you got? 
uh, my you hate to see it is from the Super Bowl. We kind of we kind of already talked about it. We kind of brushed past it because I know you wanted to talk about this. Kyle Kyle Shanahan, you hate to see him <laughs> blowing his second Super Bowl lead. You hate to see it. I mean, when you'd think he'd figure out how to how to keep a double digit lead in the Super Bowl, especially with only six minutes left. You hate to see you hate to see him blow it again. <laughs> how does this happen? And I'm not Twice. sure if you want to see it again or not. <laughs> well. If you're a Niners fan, probably not. Also, can we talk about his... Did you notice the tiny logo on his hat? Yeah, that's the same one he's been wearing all year. It bothers me. I don't like how tiny that logo is. And I tweeted about it. It bothers me. But how does that happen? How does that happen in two Super Bowls? And you don't want to say he's a bad coach because it's incredible that he got to the Super Bowl twice in his young career coaching. You know, one as a coordinator, one as a head coach. But... Yeah, you hate to see you it. You hate to see a how second you, blown lead. How, the first one is more egregious because that's twenty five points. Yeah, but the second one was in half of a quarter. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. They were up ten points. It was literally half a quarter. Like Kansas City just bam, 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 half a quarter. They scored three touchdowns. But you're right, Kyle Shanahan. Two of the three biggest collapses in Super Bowl history. You own them. You hate to see. You it. hate to see it. You hate to see it. So uh, this next segment is going to be all you, Brandon. Well, I'll ask questions, and we'll kind of give you some input on it because I do live in central Iowa, so I have a little bit of knowledge on the Iowa Hawkeyes basketball. Let's talk about some local basketball news. No Cyclones or Huskers because, you know, Paul made the rundown. Even though he's sick, he he gave us marching orders. But uh, let's talk about the Hawkeyes. So they beat – they lose to Maryland, and then they beat Illinois. Yeah, they had a they had a tough tough schedule. They played three games last week. They they – Played Wisconsin at home and beat them mm. in a tough one. Then they went out to Maryland, which all Big Ten road games have been tough this year. So and as we're recording and Maryland this, is a top ten team. So as we're recording this, we're playing Purdue and uh, Purdue's. They been, got uh, yeah, they got pounded. Yeah, on, they're whooping up Purdue. on them. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was by about forty. So, and, but that's that's we were kind of talking about that before you know off the air, but. Purdue is really good at home, and the last few games they've won by double digits. Yeah, just I mean I think Purdue did this to either Michigan State or one of those one of those either Michigan State or Maryland. I think they did, did kind Mich- of the same thing I'm too. Pretty sure it was Michigan State. Yeah, at, in Purdue. I mean, every every team in the Big Ten. I mean, yeah. you look at you look at recent bracketology from I think it was from today actually. There's 11 Big Ten teams in the tournament right now, <laughs> out of 14 total. So. It's a, yeah, and then, like you were saying, it's a loaded conference. It's hard to get wins on the road, and yeah. it's, it's it's really and like there is a real home court advantage for these Big Ten teams. Yep. And um, so yeah, they 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 lose to Maryland, but then they go come back. They beat the Illini. Yeah, an impressive win. I mean, a lot. Illinois was first in the first in the conference at the time. They're now back and tied for first with, I believe Maryland is tied with them for first place. So. We'll see how the, their schedule gets a little tougher. They go on the road a lot to end, the, to end the Big Ten season, so we'll see how they are able to withstand the road games. We need to get a couple of road wins here to cement our – I would like to see them getting a top – they're a five seed right now. Hopefully we can get a couple of wins out here and get maybe a four seed um, for what, the NCAA tournament. What year is Garza? He's a junior this year. Do you think he leaves this year after this season? I doubt it. They get to the tournament? Do you think? I doubt it. I, I don't. I don't, I don't you think. think Stan. I don't think Luca Garza is NBA, an NBA player. 
I mean, he's one of the best players. He's very good in, in college. He's very good college. He he might he's probably Big Ten Player of the Year, and he might win National Player of the Year. He's oh, a very yeah. good very good college player. Yeah, but I don't see him. He I don't I don't see him as a great NBA player because of his lack of athleticism compared to other big guys mm. that would play in the league. So I don't expect him to leave this year. I could be wrong, but I don't expect him to yeah. leave. I, I, uh, I, I definitely think he'll probably win player of the year for the Big Ten. But, yeah, I, I'm. Uh, this, this is the thing, like we are talking about, the Big Ten, uh, it's kind of eating itself alive. And, you know, you mentioned there's 11, you know, if you look at the projections, there's 11 teams right now. Next, a, next closest is six <laughs> out of teams. Out of a 14-team league. That's insane. Yeah. And you can't, it's, it's you know, at some point the levy has to break there. And I don't know, do you think Iowa's going to be one of those teams left behind? Or do you think they're still going to get into the tournament at the end of the year? Or do you think they might be one of the teams that, because I don't know if there is going to be 11 big teams. No, I don't know if there will be 11. I think there will be some teams that, it depends on, I mean, depends on who keeps winning, obviously. But, right. But I, I expect Iowa to be in there. They have some really good wins, and they got some good teams on their schedule. Still, they they still go to Michigan State. They get they get a uh, Illinois one more time, and I think they play uh, Ohio State. So they got some teams out there that are, and there's a lot of teams that have a lot of lot of good wins. So unless some team, I expect I expect there to be nine or ten out of the Big Ten for sure. Really? Oof, that's a. Uh... That'll be interesting. That'll be uh, fun when we do our uh, brackets for uh, Loud Sports for March Madness, even though we all know that March Madness won't matter because we all have the XFL. But, uh, <laughs> man, this is breezing by. We're only 38 minutes in. We got through most of our segments. Brandon was right. It's because Paul and I go off on tangents. And you, you, you're, this is why we have you here, Brandon. You keep us on point. You keep us on topic. Uh, let's talk about the NBA off-court moment of the week. We might have to make some changes to this because we have breaking news. We, uh, Iguodala has been traded to your team, Brandon, the Miami Heat. What do you make of all this? Yeah, it's an interesting trade. uh, Uh, sorry, go ahead. It looks like, it looks like, the Heat have traded Justice Winslow yep. and probably some, I assume, some other other guys or maybe a draft pick or something. Uh, they haven't came out with the full details yet, but... But, yes, Justice Will- Winslow is a part of that as yeah, well. So, yeah, so, I mean, Iguodala is a championship-caliber player. Miami is is really close. They're up there, at the, you know, they're just as good as anybody else in the East. Obviously, Milwaukee is maybe... Head and shoulders above the rest of the league. Do you think that Iguodala will be enough to have the Heat beat? Because some people are joking and saying that like the Heat are going to beat the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Final. Like, they're think, saying that's going to go down. In, see, in the yeah, I don't know. I think I think Milwaukee's really good, obviously, and I think Milwaukee, Miami plays a style that they would have a chance. They've already went to Milwaukee and beat them. They've only played them once this year, and they beat them in Milwaukee. So. Obviously, that shows that they have a chance. That was without mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler as well. Right. So we'll see. They play him two more times this year: once in Milwaukee and once in Miami. It's just Milwaukee's. Milwaukee's. Milwaukee is very good. They've looked and so very good big. all season long. But the way the way Miami and the way Miami plays defense, and the way Miami 
can can shoot the three ball. I think Miami's one of the best three 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 percentage or uh, three point percentages in the league. They have Duncan Robinson who's averaging about four a night. So yeah, they've got some. There's some really good shooting. We'll see. I I've heard I've heard talks that Miami is also going to be looking to trade for Danilo Gallinari. So that would be another great addition, twenty point a night scorer for Miami if they were able to pull that one off too. Um, Paul is uh, still with us with his coronavirus. <laughs> Texts us uh, before we started recording. He did say, seriously though, why did the Heat trade Winslow for an older version of Winslow? What do you make of that? <laughs> yeah, Miami or Justice Winslow has been hurt a lot of the year, and they don't. And Winslow was basically a point guard. He wasn't a great shooter. He was, in, and he was a pretty good defender, but not the best. He wasn't, you know, he's probably top four, three or four on the team in, in terms of defensive one-on-one. We've got Jimmy Butler. We've got Bam Adebayo, two all-stars on our team. I, I, like, I like the addition of a championship guy to a team that doesn't have a lot of guys that, are, that have been there. You know, Jimmy Butler's played in the playoffs a few times, but he's never, right. never been to the finals. And I like, the, I like the addition of a guy who can play great defense, can, can handle the ball, and can help, you know, lead that team through a playoff run, hopefully. So I like, I like the move. You got to get rid of somebody. <laughs> and Justice Winslow is a third or fourth on the list of guys that I'd want to keep from, yeah. from, a, from a young guy perspective. So I'm, 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 I'm okay with the trade. I like it. I like adding Iguodala to this team with where they are right now. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the uh, off-court moment of the week uh, was uh... – is it Jay Mort or John Mort? I always John Morant. John Morant wants Iguodala traded so he can show him how Memphis plays. So that was obviously before the news that we just got before we went to air about the Iguodala trade. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's sad to see because Miami's already played Memphis t- both times this year, right, so they won't so, be, they won't meet each other this season. Yeah, unless it's in the finals, but I don't see that happening. Yeah. So probably not going to happen. But it is funny that he says that because it's like you know. Yeah, you're right. He's lucky the Heat don't play him because I was gonna say, be careful what you wish for. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm actually really surprised that uh, Iguodala ended up in with Miami. I I don't even know who I really had where I had him going, but I just I didn't think the Heat was gonna do it. But you know, this is the perfect time to do it because it's February. There's still time in the season, and you're still. You know, trying to you want to build that chemistry before the playoffs and get him on your side. And I mean, this is the season to do it. There's not a clear cut. There's not a Golden State Warriors team this year like there has been in the past. No, no, they're not. Yeah, they're far from. You're going to see a lot of. You're seeing a lot of teams trying to make moves because they think a lot of people have. A lot of people think they have a chance this year. I'm also surprised they didn't wait it out. I'm actually very surprised that they did it. Wednesday night instead of waiting until the you know I thought they'd probably drag it out as much as they could on Thursday because the 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 deadline is three o'clock on Thursday is yeah. the trade deadline so I I thought they were gonna really <laughs> stretch that out as much as possible but yeah like this is the time to do it get that chemistry before the playoffs if they really if they think they can really get to the final the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucks or something like that now's the time to do it so. Good on uh, Miami Heat. I'm sure you're excited, being a Heat fan that you are. Now it's time to talk about, and I got a stack, folks. I got two pages right here for the XFL expert 
Report. Ladies and gentlemen, we are, when this gets posted, we are officially two days away from kickoff. I can't, I, I just can't tell you how excited I am, Brandon. I'm just a ball full of excitement. It's something I've been building up for months. I even went on a local radio, local sports radio show to explain why, hey, the XFL is there for you. And football's over. Everybody's upset about it. The XFL's right there for you. So let's get into the XFL report. Some news around the league before I break down week one for you. The Houston Roughnecks have named P.J. Walker from the University of Temple as their quarterback. As you, you might have known from this from my first XFL expert report, he had 10,000 yards and 74 touchdowns at Temple, and he will be um, joined up with June Jones, who is known as the offensive innovator in the college game, and we'll talk more about that when we break down week one. Uh, the next bit of news from around the league, Panthers tight end Greg Olson will join the Fox XFL broadcast for week one. Uh, he's going to be entering free agency here in March. He's not going to be re-signing with the Panthers, so I'm assuming this might be his approach to life outside of football. So if he can't really get a deal that he likes, maybe he could be like, hey, Ed. An interview, an interview per se. Yeah, the uh, audition. And um, he, I feel like so much of his career, he's been so much like Jason Witten, and this would just add to the mythos <laughs> if, if he uh, does this. But I think that's cool because he did tweet at someone. Someone tweeted, uh, football is over. And he goes, uh, have you not heard of XFL on Fox? So he's already doing a good job getting getting it out there. I'm, I'm actually interested in how this is going to go. Uh, he will be doing the Vipers-Guardians game. So he'll be, he'll be calling my favorite team, which you don't have a team yet. Neither does Paul, whatever. Uh, and the final big news from around the league, DraftKings – and the XFL have announced a partnership for fantasy. As we mentioned last week, ESPN is not interested in doing fantasy with the XFL yet. I understand the move. I think it's a, let's see how this first season goes, and then we'll go from there. Because, I mean, maybe with the new rules, it might be harder to do their PPR or do, you know, however they want to do it. I don't know. But Yeah, uh, especially with, I wonder if you tried to do fantasy, you wouldn't be able to have very many very many teams in a fantasy league because there's not very many teams in the league. Right, so your player pool is going to be smaller. Very yeah. small comparatively. Yeah. So you'd have to figure that out too, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. Four or six six teams at the most maybe yeah. for and a fantasy that, league. And um, I think that DraftKings, the reason why the DraftKings pairings make sense is because DraftKings is based more, It's first of all, it's a weekly thing. Yeah, daily, and so you can each have, all of you can have the same players, I Right, if I, I believe, and the, and, I, and I think they have a little bit more leeway with prop bets and things like that. So, uh, here's the official statement from DraftKings: "Quote: The XFL is an innovative fan-first league, and DraftKings shares a mutual commitment to delivering top-notch gaming experience to sports fans across the board. We are confident that through the collaboration or through the collaborative partnership, our highly engaged customer base will enjoy betting on the XFL." and playing in XFL daily fantasy sports contests. We look forward to the start of the season this Saturday. And, quote, I actually downloaded the DraftKings app because I did not have it. And I've looked into it, and there are a lot of open, uh, like there's, um, if I remember correctly, there is an XFL tab. And there are already a lot of uh, different games and prop bets you can do. So 
it's in, I, I think it's a good pairing, and I think it makes sense because it's such a new league and there's so many different rules and so many other things you have to incorporate in there. I think it's the start of a good thing. I, I think it's only DraftKings. I, th- I might have saw something on FanDuel. But, uh, yeah, so if you want to do any sort of fantasy, you got to do it through DraftKings. And I've never done it. Have you done any of DraftKings? No. I have I'm friends not. that do it, and they're, like, addicted. Because you can get in, like, $3 leagues. Yeah. $2. Like, you can get in $0.25. Cents. You can get in, like, a quarter leagues and win a bunch of money there. Um, I'm sure Paul will be excited about that because he's our resident gambler. Which, sadly, there will be no uh, Paul's Fab Five this week because Paul's gone. I mean, we could make our own Fab Five, but I'm going to do a Fab Four uh, betting on all these uh, XFL games. So here's your week one. Shuffle on the papers. Preview for the XFL. On Saturday, the first game of the season, we have the Seattle Dragons at the D.C. Defenders. D.C. is minus six and a half in this one. Uh, the defenders are being led by Cardell Jones and a very talented backfield, including uh, Nick Brissett, Khalil Abdullah, Donald Humph- Humphrey. That's a weird name. And Jarrell Presley. Um, so he, they're pretty stacked backfield, and they're being led by Jim Harbaugh, disciple Pep, disciple, disciple Pep Hamilton. Uh, and that's going to be a lot for the Dragons to handle, and they're going to have, of course, legend, legendary to... Uh, the Redskins and the Seahawks, Jim Zorn, he'll be taking over. And Brandon Silvers, made popular from the Memphis uh, Express, uh, he'll be the quarterback of that team. But I just don't see Seattle hanging very long with D.C. because I think D.C. just has a bigger talent base, I guess. They have better, I don't want to say better players, but just more talented players. So if I were a betting man, I would take the D.C. defenders. They're six and a half. I could win by a touchdown. I'd take that. How are they going to do lines in the XFL now that I think about it, now that they have three-point extra points? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll probably be the same, just the scores will be a lot different. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of wacky scores sometimes. It's going to be weird. You know, it's this is how big of a nerd I am for this league already. I was watching the Super Bowl. It was 20 to 10, and, I was like, and Kansas City had the ball. And this is how I, I was that guy. I was like, well, if this were the XFL. The Chiefs could score a touchdown and go for an extra point from the 10-yard line and only be down a point. It could be 20 to 19. And then uh, Ashley said, nobody cares, you nerd. (laughs) Rightfully so. But if I were betting, man, I'd probably take the D.C. defenders. Minus six and a half. I feel like they could win that. All right, now the second game on Saturday, the L.A. Wildcats taking on the Houston Roughnecks uh, after a great preseason LA moved to make Josh Johnson their starting quarterback and traded Luis Perez I made a mistake here Luis Perez played for uh Birmingham yeah okay so I had the quarterback right uh Luis Perez from AAF fame uh, he got traded to the New York Guardians so imagine that you're starting quarterback in the AAF you think you're gonna be a starting quarterback in the XFL and then they uh trade you <laughs> I feel bad for him He's poor guy he didn't even get a play yeah well, he didn't look that great in practice. <laughs> Shipped him off to New York. Which, again, I don't know which would be worse. Living in L.A. versus living in New York? I don't know. Unless uh, my train of thought here. Where was I at? No. Uh, but Johnson will have running back Larry Rose and wide receiver Nelson Spruce, who also played in the AAF and kind of played. He, he played in some in the NFL, also played in the AAF. 
and uh, he'll be there to back him up. And that's why I kind of have a little bit more confidence in the XFL than other league, than the AF maybe. I think there's a bigger talent group, and not there's not a huge talent gap from the NFL. I understand there is because these are former players that didn't make it in the NFL, but I don't think there's as big a gap as, let's say, the first iteration of the XFL was way back in 2001. Uh, the Houston Roughnecks, Roughnecks are actually one of the... You know, I was looking up like power rankings for the eight teams. They're up there with uh, the Dallas Renegades is one of the more f- favorited teams to win it all. Uh, but yeah, June Jones, formerly from Hawaii, he was around during the Colt Brennan era where they were slinging it all over the place. Uh, and he has newly crowned quarterback, as I mentioned before, PJ Walker there. And uh, they're running the redneck, oh, the redneck, <laughs> oh, man, roughneck. Offense with uh, Connor Cook as the backup, and so that was probably the most competitive quarterback battle was Connor Cook um, from Michigan State. I know him too well because we're Husker and Hawkeye fans, so we know about that. Uh, it was back and forth between him and PJ. So if PJ doesn't live up to expectations, you could see Connor Cook in that game. Uh, I feel like this is going to be one of the more offensive games of the first week, just because there's a lot of talent on both sides, both offenses. Uh, the Roughnecks are favored at three and a half. I don't know. I might take I might take the Wildcats in that one because I don't know if they're going to win by four points. But again, it's such a wacky league with points. I don't know how that's going to work. Moving on to Sunday. First game is Sunday. My the game that will have my most attention this weekend. The Tampa Bay Vipers at the New York Guardians. Uh, we'll we'll see how this works out for Tampa because uh, some people have them lower tier team. I don't agree with it because they have former CFL and Bears coach Mark Tressman. I know he wasn't the best <laughs> in uh, the NFL, but I've said before, I hope we get the CFL version of Mark Tressman where he won a lot of championships. And he has Aaron Murray as his uh, his quarterback. And Aaron Murray, before he was pre... No, he was post-Matt Stafford. Yeah, he was after Matt Stafford. So if Matt Stafford didn't come before him and break all these records for Georgia, he probably would have because he had a great season. But then this is a good. This one might actually have a lot of points too because on the flip side of that, the New York Guardians have Matt McGloin from Penn State as their quarterback in a few games where he played for the Raiders. Uh, he's going to take over the Guardians' offense. He's got a coach that has had four decades of pro football coaching experience. So this should be a tight one. Tampa Bay is favored negative one and a half over the Guardians. I don't want to be a homer, but I'm taking the Vipers. <laughs> Are you going to pick a team after week one? Yeah, St. Louis. I mean, that's probably who I'm well, going to be Cardinals, cheering for. Yeah, I like the Cardinals. Makes so. them, see, unlike me, you're kind of spread out because you have the Cardinals, you got bit. the Packers, you got the Heat. You're kind of sp- I, I'm like Buccaneers, Rays, Vipers, Lightning, all in one place. And then finally, the Seattle, the Seattle, it's been a long day. St. Louis Battlehawks taking on the Dallas Renegades. And the Dallas Renegades are the favorite right now to win the XFL championship. Uh, You'd be surprised by this. Hawkeye legend Chuck Long is running the offense, his offensive coordinator for the St. Louis Battlehawks. He'll have Jordan Tamu as his quarterback in a backfield that includes includes Christine, I said Christine Michelle. Christine Michael and Matt Jones from Texas A&M and Florida, respectively. And this will be one of the better uh, backfields in the XFL. So I see them more as a running team. And as I mentioned, the Lorena Gage are league favorites among many XFL sites. And I got to say, 
Uh, as I said last week, I want to say thank you to XFL News Hub for my uh, stories from around the league. They're a great site. They have a great app. And one of the, I'm pretty sure one of the writers that writes for them follows me, or at the very least, he likes one of my tweets. A couple of my tweets. The XFL is building as like a legit fan community on the internet. It's it's amazing. Uh, but Landry Jones is questionable to play. Uh, so we'll see if Bob Stutes will actually be reunited with Landry Jones for game one. Um, if he's not ready to go, they'll have and Eric Dungy, who surprisingly just ended his career with uh, Syracuse last season. So I was surprised they got a, char- uh, a character, a quarterback that young, like right out of college playing for the XFL. Cause most of these guys, they've been out of the game for a few years. So that's surprising. So, Questionable Landry Jones or Eric Dungy could be the starter, uh, but despite all that, I still like Dallas's chances. I, I I think they are one of the better teams in the league. They're favored by seven points. If I'm taking the bets, I'll do that. You know what? Forget Paul and his Fab Five. Let's do Jake's SFL four team thing. <laughs> I got nothing. I don't have a creative name, but I do have a creative name for our latest web series that's going to be going up on the Loud and Opinionated YouTube channel and Loud Sports Facebook page. That is the XFL foreplay. I'll have that name as long as I don't get in trouble for it. <laughs> but uh, I made a logo for it because Paul was like, hey, mate, the original logo looked too much like the regular one. But uh, XFL, XFL foreplay will air Monday, February 10th on the places that I mentioned, Loud and Opinionated's YouTube channel and the Loud Sports Facebook page. It'll be covering all four games over the weekend it's going to run all season long all the way until the xfl championship game in april and i'm kind of working out something there for uh the championship game see what we can do and with that i want to give you one more thing i said at the top and i'll say it at the bottom kick off countdown to kickoff for the xfl two days people are you gonna watch the games yeah i'll definitely be watching some of them i i need you to watch them all right, because I'm trying to I I'm trying to be the unofficial XFL fan ambassador. All right, I'm giving myself the name of XFL expert, unofficial fan ambassador. I'm telling every person I know, and every person that listens to this podcast, watch the XFL. I want springtime football. Check it out. What's wrong with What's wrong with year-round football? Absolutely nothing. Don't you want the drought to only be five months instead of? Seven, my God, we do sit through seven months without football, don't we? Or six months because it's August is preseason, but nobody watches preseason. Nobody watches the preseason except for Paul. I think Paul mentioned it one time, and I'm like, loser. All right, speaking of Paul, let's talk about the final numbers. For primetime picks, I'm trying to incorporate XFL into the primetime picks. He wants to say, you know what? We just got to reset and get ready for next season. Uh, I'm looking at his numbers, and I see why he would say that, even though he did a lot better than I did. So uh, let's go through the final primetime picks numbers after the Super Bowl. I'm going to save the best for last, so we're going to go from uh, worst to first. Um, I'm bringing up the rear behind the uh, listeners I'm so disappointed because I could have gone 500. With a with a five and zero week, it, you went four and one just like me last week, right? Yep, I missed yeah. one. the fifty four. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> this is why I don't bet. Yeah, we lost the over. 
And uh, because of that, I end the season 51 and 52. Honestly, it's a lot better than I expected. But let's a 500 record is pretty good, especially for a hundred for a hundred games and, and picks. <laughs> especially when I'm not. A lot of those picks were really out there for me. I'll be honest; some of those are dumb picks. But I don't. Know. I don't think 500 is bad at all. <laughs> All right, uh, and following me, second to last, the listeners. You guys went 56 and 47. I know you and I went back and forth to see who could be the worst, and you guys won. So congratulations to the listeners. Uh, Coming in second place would be Paul, who went 59 and 44. Uh, A lot of that's because a couple of those weeks he tied you a lot, where he went 4-1 and towards the end of the season with a lot of picks. And, of course, the guy who wins every prediction thing, unless we're betting, Brandon Plecker, our champion, 65 wins, 38 losses. Now, when I saw that number, I didn't think it was real. 65 wins. That's impressive, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Give yourself a... Yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed with... Uh, I'm, I'm, more, I'm, I'm not... It's not your fault. I'm just mad at myself because I, sh- I want to be that guy. And I thought I had you guys because I felt like I had a little bit more expertise in the uh, bowl games. But um, Did you add bowl games into this, this record? Uh, I don't think Paul did. Okay. Um, if I remember. I didn't figure so. Yeah. Didn't I, seem like I enough, ended up but... last on all of them, so it doesn't matter. I love... And then uh, I mentioned to Paul about doing XFL picks, and he's like, well, you'd be the expert, right? And it would be easy to do because there's only four games a week. But knowing my luck, the XFL expert, TM, me, I would lose. Because that's just what it seems to be with this show. Anytime we do any sort of predictions, I lose. I'm done with you. So that has been another episode of the Loud Sports Podcast. We just crossed an hour just now. So We're doing good. Streamlined it. We made it easy for you. Well, we didn't have to listen to someone's terrible bets um <coughs> paul uh, he's gonna hear this he's gonna listen to this episode because i know he does and he's gonna be like i can't leave these guys alone but uh, thank you so much for listening to this you can get this show wherever you get your podcast spotify apple podcasts stitcher wherever you get them really you can get this show uh thank you so much for listening we are on twitter i'm gonna see if i can get all of these ready we're on Twitter at Loud Sports Pod as well as Instagram. Same thing at Loud Sports Pod, although I never update it. I should get better at that. Why don't you guys do it? I'm in charge of social. Anyway, you can also follow, is it a follow like us on Facebook, Loud Sports. Uh, I believe you just search facebook.com slash Loud Sports Pod. It should come up, but it's just Loud Sports on Facebook. Uh, all any sort of clips or anything we do on YouTube that goes on loud and opinionated. Um, I think that's pretty much it, right? I think we nailed it all. And like I said, Monday, February 10th will be the first episode of XFL foreplay. I'm covering all four games in the XFL just for you. So if you liked college football hangover, it's kind of like that, but with a lot less games and it's going to be a lot more manageable. I think than it was at that show. And, um, Yeah. Keep your eyes out. I might just drop something on the end of the week as maybe like a preview for XFL foreplay. I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. I don't know. I got to get out of here because I keep talking, trailing off. For Brandon Plecker, I'm Jake Williams. Paul should be back next week unless he did get the coronavirus. Then he'll probably be dead. And in that case, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Have a good night or day. Whenever you listen to this. Bye.